This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. So I know you've heard me talk about it before, and I'm just going to say it again real quick before we get to the episode. I've been doing Mark Livesey's Treeline Academy, and it's an e-scouting course. You can go to it at treelineacademy.net, or you can go to his other website, treelinepursuits.com. Check that out and click on the link and go to the Treeline Academy. It's an amazing, ultra-comprehensive e-scouting master class. Awesome reviews by a ton of people. I'm still not done with it. He keeps adding more stuff, but what he has taught me on the course is going to definitely change the way I elk hunt. Even though I have an elk hunt this year, I'm using it for my deer hunting, and I am also definitely, definitely going to use it next year when I'm uh, planning an elk hunt. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Sign up. Use coupon code PC2020 and save yourself 20 bucks. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Dan Statton of Elk Shape Podcast and Elk Shape Camps. And uh, Dan, I'm just going to go ahead and let you take it from there and introduce yourself, please. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Dan, the fitness man. I'm just a a regular guy who likes to elk hunt. Uh, Love my family and want to spend as much time with them and then slash want to spend as much time elk hunting every year. That's pretty cool. So... Dan, that was a pretty brief and uh, quite modest introduction. So I'm just going to try and get the people to know you a little bit better. At one point in time, you did compete in, uh, in CrossFit, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was a while ago. So <laughs> trying to think. Um, in 2000, in 2007, I opened a CrossFit gym. 
And the CrossFit Games was pretty new. Like it was just kind of a barbecue get together once a year. And then I think in 08, you could just sign up if you wanted to do it. And then in 2009, it grew so much. They were like, um, we got to have some sort of regional qualifier. So I did that, did not make it. And then in 2010, I went, I think I gave it one more shot individually, didn't make it. And then in 2012, they started teams where it was kind of like try to find the fittest CrossFit gym in the world. So we made a team. And once again, we fell one place short of making it to the games. And then in 2012, we qualified and made it to the CrossFit Games. And in 2013, we qualified. So two years on a team. Um, they don't cover teams that much. They cover the individual stuff like on ESPN back in the day. And then uh, so we did it for two years. And then I think I gave it one more shot in 15. And we missed it again by a spot. And then by that time, my kids were getting big enough. And it was just like, okay, something's got to give. And it was training all the time. So that was my stint in competing in the CrossFit world. Nice. No, that's pretty cool, though. So, I mean, obviously, there was some motivation there when you didn't succeed to keep uh, keep trying until you got it, though, right? Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. We had a great squad of people that were a lot more fit than me. But we all kind of had our role. and. Um, None of us really liked the uh, whole fourth place thing. You had to get third place or better to make it to the L.A. at the time. And, yeah, it hurt pretty good. It was motivating to train. And, um, you know, I liked it because I, I was in great shape and it helped me in the Elk Mountains. So it was a good enough excuse for me. And, I mean, I was competitive in high school and collegiate sports. And so once you're done with college, you're kind of like, man, what should I do next? So CrossFit was a good fit for all of us. Nice. So how long have you been elk hunting? I didn't start elk hunting until later in life. I started when I was 20. I went with my dad on a rifle hunt in Washington State, and I killed a bull within about mm, 10 minutes of first light. Shot it with a rifle and uh, was like, wow, there is a ton of elk meat here. <laughs> These horns are huge these antlers. And I was just like, wow, these, this is really cool. I, I think these things bugle. I think I want to hunt them when they bugle. So I did some homework and found out that it was mainly archery. So I just bought a bow just for elk hunting and was getting ready to just go all in on elk hunting after that. And that's what I did. So, I mean, did you do any hunting or anything like that when, when you were a kid or, or just one day you and your dad were like, you know what, maybe we should try that. Well, no, that's a good question. So I followed my dad around in the woods, grouse hunting and deer hunting, and then uh, took my hunter safety when I was 10 and deer hunted till I was about 13 and then wrestling and f football pretty much didn't have time to hunt till I graduated high school. So I shot a buck and a doe, you know, basically before sports really kicked in. So I got a taste of success as well as just the adventure and time with dad. and then. Uh, all in on sports. So once I graduated and was done playing sports, at, like I said, about age 20, I was like, man, hunting's cool. I want to get back into it. So I just kind of found the next thing and, and that was it. No, that's, that's awesome. So when, when you, uh, when you got back into it and you, you got your bow, you knew you wanted to chase bugles. What did you do to kind of like educate yourself or was it just, you were running blind for a while? Okay, so keep in mind, this is like 2001. 
So like internet is pretty like, uh, not what it's not what it is today. There's not YouTube. There's not Vimeo. There's not podcasts. There's not elk hunting courses online. There's, I don't even know if you can text, <laughs> at that point. but but what i did is i had an uncle that that uh apparently elk hunted with a bow and i was super intrigued and so after getting my bow and and basically teaching myself how to shoot wrong and and creating a bunch of bad habits uh i bugged the crap out of my uncle kurt and he said he would take me and so he did and god bless him he's a stud he doesn't elk hunt anymore but uh he took me to his old haunts and uh, he got me in on elk and looking back, I don't think he really knew much other than that he was pretty good shape and he was a really good woodsman, a good backpacker, uh, and he knew where elk were. So that was kind of, he exposed me to it and then I was just completely fascinated with elk hunting. And I think after that first year, we kind of went our separate ways and uh, I replaced him with my dad. Of course, I bugged, I'm like, dad, you have to come watch <laughs> elk hunt in Idaho. This is insane. Bulls are screaming. And then of course we like watch the wrong resources, nothing against Primos videos, but <laughs> I think Primos would admit that he's got a healthy budget and that, um, paying for all his guys to go hunt private ranches and landowner tags every year makes great video and also sells a lot of elk calls. Unfortunately, it doesn't translate to real public land elk hunting. So we were trying to duplicate their strategies and they just weren't working. We were getting very frustrated. And so it was a very long, painful learning curve that I don't regret. And uh, it took me several years to get my first elk with a bow. Yeah. So, yeah, you you mentioning that just kind of makes me think of, you know, all these $10,000 tags or even more that people are buying and, and uh I thought the same thing, you know, had these lofty ideas at first watching the same type of, you know, mainstream hunting. And then I always thought, man, I just want to do that. But then I saw Randy Newberg and then it changed. And I was like, you know what? Public land. I think I could do that. Let's, <laughs> let's try it. And it didn't quite work out that way, but I did learn a lot. And I think that's the most uh, important thing is coming away, realizing that you need to educate yourself. And now with all the resources that are available, there's so much out there, including, and we could do a shameless plug here the thing that you're involved in now, um, I've, I've looked into it a little bit, but the elk collective, man, that looks, uh, pretty amazing. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Like I had a long elk hunting cur learning curve for me. I was fit. I was hungry. I had more time than most people. I would quit jobs just to elk hunt all of September, but I sucked. I didn't have a mentor and I started, like I said, in Idaho in 2002 and didn't kill my first bull till 2006. So that was a lot of years of tag soup, but I <laughs> really have to be thankful because it, it kind of sparked the idea for Elk Shape where I was like, I'm going to create a podcast, a brand around personal development and year-round prep for elk hunting, and I'm going to shorten the learning curve for as many people as possible. And that really did well. It's still doing well. And once we kind of started doing these elk-shaped camps and traveling across the U.S. to do these camps and help people with elk hunting, uh, we started filming all of the stuff that we did at these camps. And I'm sitting on these hard drives of awesome, content-rich environment. It's got so much education. And so I was like, man, we need to do something with this. 
I knew there was some other players out there that were kind of doing like elk hunting education, but they were more like, it seemed like they were kind of academic, like reading. And I was like, I don't have an attention span for that. I need (laughs) to be playing something in the background while I'm doing something else. If I'm answering emails, I can listen to a podcast or I can listen to a YouTube video audio or so I went to Jason Phelps and my buddy Dirk Durham and we kind of talked about teaming up and, and those guys are always doing elk seminars left and right for calling, for elk biology, behavior. And so they're sitting on lots of gold content that they don't do much with. I was like, let's pull our content together. And let's make the Elk Collective where it's digital education, but it's all video or audio driven. And they were like, that's a no brainer. Let's do it. And so that was really exciting. And then we kind of talked and said, well, there's so many different ways to kill an elk. And New Mexico bulls behave differently than Western Washington bulls versus North Idaho bulls versus Southeast bulls versus Montana bulls we need to get as many people on here as possible and get their take on elk hunting because everyone does it a little bit different. There's a lot of nuance. And so that's where we're like, yes, a collective where everybody comes together at one place to share their way of getting it done. And it's just been awesome. We've been able to branch out to our huge network of fellow successful elk hunters and build this content rich environment where people can learn by watching, learn by listening. You don't have to read a thing. Uh, so yeah, we just launched that in July and I think it's going to take over, uh, as probably the number one elk hunting resource. So when, when you say it's divided up into like different regions, you're talking, you've got a guy that, that that's kind of their, their bread and butter where they're hunting type thing. And then they, they do like an audio learning module and a video at the same time. So you can kind of choose between the two or is it, you know, separate content? Yeah, I don't know. The word module is not in our vocabulary. It's more like just chapters. Okay. And so we set it up like a backbone where these are your backbone topics, but we've also saved it so we can add content, well, pretty much weekly. uh, So it's always growing, it's living, it's breathing. So it's not like an elk hunting course that's just like, here it is, do this and you're done. It's just never ending. So Dirk just launched a series of putting out trail cameras in North Idaho. Uh, he's about to publish a bu- his whole new series that he's hunting in southeastern Idaho in a unit he's never even stepped foot in. So he's going to cover from top to bottom what he does from e-scouting to boots on the ground to reading sign in the summer and developing his plan, which is really helpful for people that maybe can't go scout. Um, we just did an elk shape camp in Wisconsin, so I got to film Jason Phelps teaching elk vocalizations, teaching people how to use a diaphragm read properly. And then he's got a whole presentation that he put together. Uh, And so we reach out to all our friends. We got Chris Rowe in Colorado. We got Brian Barney in Montana, Ryan Lampers, who's Montana and Washington state. Uh, We got Cody Rich. uh, And the list goes on and on. And so we're just reaching out further and further to basically everybody that we know in the industry or not in the industry that has reps wherever they have reps. There's not that many states out west. We're going to have it all covered. And then um, we're going to go over the nutrition, the fitness, the technical archery, muzzle loading, which I think gets super overlooked and is very viable. Obviously, rifle hunting. So it's not an archery elk hunting course. It's an elk hunting course. Late season, cow tactics, spike-only tactics. 
um, the whole gamut. So the whole thing is just to keep growing the Elk Collective and branching out and covering all the things. And there's a lot of things. So uh, we've just scratched the surface. I think we have about 100-something videos on there, probably be up in the upwards of 1,000. Our goal is to really have it dialed and organized so the user experience is super dope and potentially get it to an app down the road. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have to check that out for sure. So let's kind of transition a little bit into fitness, especially for like, let's talk about guys that are coming out from the Midwest and stuff like that going out West. I mean, just the acclimation to the elevation alone is killer, especially if you're not in shape. So what are some of the things that people should be doing to be training? And not only that, but just like, um, really, really, making it to where it's becoming a lifestyle for them versus just getting out there and, and hitting it before season. And, and that's how you do it. I mean, you asked the question and you gave the answer. It <laughs> is a, it is a lifestyle, which is what I've preached as far as you are blessed to call yourself an elk hunter or any type of hunter. You have a special connection with nature. Uh, you definitely get to experience the thrill and excitement of the pursuit as well as the remorse for taking an animal's life. You get to go through the entire process of breaking the animal down and put it in your freezer delicately, butchering and labeling and packaging and whatever you do with your meat. And it's kind of a start to finish lifestyle there. But uh, if you can stay in shape year round, it's so much easier than getting into shape. Uh, you mentioned one thing that applies to me. I only live at 2,200 feet elevation in Spokane, Washington. It's not that high, friends. Uh, when I go and hunt elk, probably about nine, maybe 10,000 feet or higher, I always get some sort of altitude sickness, always, guaranteed, inevitably. And I'm in really good shape. And that's and that's not subjectively like I can confirm. I mean, I can give you some good numbers. I can squat a lot of weight, but I can also run a really fast mile time. I have a pretty like broad scope of fitness. I can ruck, I can hike, and I'm like super determined to the degree that I some might call it a curse how determined <laughs> I am. Uh, my wife being one of them. But uh, altitude seriously kicks my butt every time I always get a headache within two days of being there and it goes away on day three sometimes it bleeds into day four and so you have to plan for that and I think most people and you're from Illinois so I'm just talking to basically the people that live out east or midwest um, September is finite you only have so many in your lifetime and if you really want to get into elk hunting you need reps at elk hunting So if you set aside, which most guys can cough up maybe 10 days for an elk hunt, which sounds like a lot on paper, most guys coming out west aren't doing it by themselves. So if you and I are going on an elk hunting trip from Illinois, how long does it take you to get to Colorado in the truck? Like 16 hours. Okay. Yeah. 16 hours in the front end and the back end. There's a day and a half of our 10 days that's burned. Now we're down to eight and a half. We're going to spend a half day setting camp that could potentially get broke down because we have to move to another location to try to find elk. We may spend a day or two finding elk. Oh, yeah, you want to be the shooter. I want to be the shooter. So now we're going to split our days. Maybe we each get three days as shooter. So now this 10-day hunt's got whittled down to you. You're the shooter for three. I'm the shooter for three. But on my three days, 
I wounded a bull and we spent one of your days looking for my bull all day and we didn't find it. Now you're down to two days as a shooter. I mean, what if you actually killed one and then now we spend a day and a half getting it out and then we got to drive to town, get it hanging or take it to a butcher and then we got to drive back. I mean, September is finite. You can't squander a second while elk hunting. This may sound extreme, but I think it's really apparent when you start breaking down the numbers. There's very, like seconds add up to minutes and minutes add up to hours. So when you're looking at coming out west, you have to be in shape. Physical fitness is super important. It's second to mental preparedness, not mental toughness, but mental preparedness. Most people aren't born mentally tough, but almost everybody can prepare themselves to be more mentally prepared between the ears. And how you do that is a series of things we can talk about. But ultimately, your mindset, your body, that's your vessel, will get you through a hunt. And you don't want to waste your time going back to camp to take a nap or going back to camp because it's slow. And I just always tell people, elk hunting can change in 10 seconds. It can go from the worst hunt, too many people, it's too hot, you can't buy a bugle, to a bull standing broadside 20 yards in 10 seconds. So you have to be out there and you have to put your best effort. And so that sounds pretty extreme probably, but ultimately I'm out there to experience as much as I can. And my ultimate goal is to kill an elk and get meat back home. The end. So let's talk about uh, getting into that then. Let's talk about putting yourself and making yourself be comfortable with becoming uncomfortable. I think is where you were kind of leading up to with that, right? That's a great slogan. And that's really what mental preparedness is, is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because you will be while elk hunting guaranteed. Yeah. So let's talk about getting in there and getting one of the things that you kind of mentioned when we were talking earlier, well, actually you gave a pretty motivating speech when we're, when we were both in Bozeman, but, um, was that you were talking about how, you know, you get these opportunities, you don't want to blow it like you were talking about just now, but also this is it. Like, why, why, why not make yourself better and get yourself doing what you have to do and all the things you suck at, do those and focus on those, but don't become great at them. Keep doing all the other things too. And I think that's like, super important. And I really started applying that to me and my workouts, like the things I hate burpees, pushups. <laughs> Those are the things I've been doing a lot more of now because I know they suck and I don't like them. Air squats. That's another one. I could always go into a gym and, and just pick up some weights and, you know, throw those around or do a machine or whatever. But it was all the stuff that was kind of the high intensity stuff that I hated and I shied away from. And I'm starting to realize that that's kind of a mistake. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm actually recorded that lecture that I did with you guys and I'm going to drop it as a podcast sometime in September. And for those that I don't know when this is dropping, but a sneak preview of that and, and what he was alluding to is that we tried to figure out how to make yourself better at hunting. So we went through kind of the general physical skills of a hunter. And what it distill it down to is we figured out most of us had three to four glaring weaknesses when it comes to hunting. Maybe it's locating elk or reading maps or scaring in the dark or showing up out of shape or not as good with our weapon when our heart rate is high, which all of you guys almost <laughs> – all of you sucked at, and that's yeah. very common. 
That's very common. <laughs> you know, so what we did was we said, go to the website, www.allthethingsyousuckat.com. Go to that website every day and start getting after it. Start picking the things that you suck at, which is another way of saying, do the things that are the most uncomfortable to you first. So prioritize being uncomfortable, which is weird. So some people absolutely hate waking up early. Awesome. Let's do a Jocko. Good. Uh, <laughs> wake up early and do it because it makes you uncomfortable and do it because you know that you, once you've done it, you're adding like this, you're building stock or equity in mental preparedness. So wake up early. Some people absolutely despise working out. So get creative. Like how far is your job from your house? Ride your bike or run to work. Leave your clothes there at the office if you can shower and do that once a week or twice a week or wake up early and ruck or wake up early and just do burpees because you despise them. So now you've done two things. You woke up early and you did freaking burpees. You are getting mentally stronger. Sure, you're getting a little bit more fit, but really you're doing things you suck at. So, And I am not someone who loves working out. Surprise, I'm super busy. I'm doing Elk Shape podcasts, Elk Shape YouTube videos twice a week, uh, social media, and then blogging, editing, recording, Elk Collective, trying to be a husband, trying to be a dad. I can sit in my office and work all day and push working out off, push working. Finally, gets to five o'clock and I'm like, I'm gonna go work out and I just go do it. I drop everything and I do it. And today it's 100 degrees. I just got it, just did it before we worked out. And did it suck? Yeah. Was I sweating before the warm up even started? Yeah. But I think coming out the other side, I got some mental dividends there. I was able to push through, push hard, in fact, in the heat. Um, I was able to just, work through some stuff that I didn't really want to do. And then um, it doesn't have to do with just working out. It can even mean shooting your bow. A lot of guys will look at their bow and be like, I'll shoot you tomorrow. <laughs> no, you won't. You can do it right now or you can have the same conversation same time tomorrow and push it off another day. Uh, or you can start by maybe you hate eating breakfast. Well, wake up 15 minutes earlier and make yourself like a legitimate oatmeal and eggs breakfast. You know, I don't know where like about you, but like everyone's got a bunch of things that just make them uncomfortable and it's different for everybody. Why not put those at the forefront and get mental dividends? Plus your life kind of gets better when you start being more disciplined. Not going to lie. Things start flowing a lot better. Absolutely. That's one of my biggest things. I think even, even if I'm doing or not doing the things that make me uncomfortable when I do work out is uh, actually trying to help help myself stay on track and also to hold myself accountable. I have the biggest problem with going, okay, yeah, I'm going to go home. Yeah, I'm going to work out today. Okay, I'm going to work out. And then you get home and there's a million other things you, you, you can do or should be doing. And then you keep putting it off, putting it off. And then you feel terrible that you put it off, but you put it off in to justify or rationalize something else. And I recently listened to Joe Rogan and Aaron Snyder and Aaron kind of said something that was pretty cool is he has an accountability board and it's a whiteboard. And even on the days when he feels like wants to be a lazy POS, he will put on there, do something. And he said, he's got to earn his day. So no matter what, 
he, he's writing on there and he'll write his workout on there or whatever he's going to do. So when he walks past it, he sees it and he knows he still has to do that. He didn't cross it off. It's still on there. And, uh, that's something that I think I'm really going to do. I'm going to hang it by my back door. And that way, if I walk in or out of that house, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it and it's going to be glaring me in the face and I'm going to have to start screaming at myself, go David Goggins on myself. And that way I can just kind of do it because if it's there, then it's a constant reminder. It's not like, oh yeah, I forgot because I started doing this or that. You can't forget it. Oh yeah. I like David Goggins go. <laughs> he's, he's crazy, but I mean, <laughs> there's some good stuff there and yeah, just having it advertised to a friend or somebody meeting you at your house at a mutually agreed time where you have to get your ass out of bed is awesome. And I think working out of the morning is probably in this day and age, the only real way to go about it, unless you work swing shift or something, mm-hmm. because there's so many distractions when you get off work, like even the, the wife needs you to stop and pick up milk and eggs, or you need to get a haircut, or you got to take kids to soccer games or whatever. Like, all the distractions happen at five o'clock. So if it's already bankrolled by 5 a.m., you've already won the day and it's just begun. It's all downhill from there, brother. Yeah. I used to actually get up in the morning and do my cardio in the morning before work. And then sometime during my lunch break, I'd actually work out and do the other. But that since COVID days, that is long since passed. So yeah, now I need to probably start doing that again and get up and start running or something and then go to work especially with three little kids i mean they go to bed early sometimes they wake up early and they're very demanding uh i have a four and a six year old and you got three right yeah i got three of them (laughs) so it's just i mean the odds are stacked against you you have to get like your time is so finite as well it's just you got to get it done in the morning so as a hunter you should be motivated you should remember that the mountains don't care about you, that they all are steep, rugged, weather, animals live there full time. You don't. You walk 10 feet to your from the couch to your fridge. They walk six miles from their grocery store to bedroom. Uh, things are trying to eat them. Ain't nobody trying to eat you. Uh, they just have a leg up and you don't have to be hardcore about it, but you just have to be consistent. So again, it goes back to recap all this nonsense we've talked about is just get in shape and stay in shape so you don't have to re-get in shape. It's so much better for everybody, including your family, your spouse, your employer, your employees, whatever. Be the best version of yourself. Starts by disciplining and working out a little bit. Yeah. No, I've noticed. I mean, when I work out, I sleep better. I feel better, especially if you work out in the morning. It seems like you have uh, more energy and it's kind of sustained energy all day. It's kind of a great feeling. Um, So we talked about that. Let's talk, if we can, about some kind of specific or some kind of workouts that you can do that's kind of uh, like an all-inclusive type thing to where during that workout or you can use something and do multiple things with it or something like that, especially nowadays when most people are probably working out at home anyway. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, first off, I'm a home gym person. I owned a gym for 11 years, sold it. Uh, in when I sold it in the, in the contract was, I got a lifetime membership there. So I still bleed CrossFit Spokane Valley. That's my home gym. Love the people. Haven't been there since dude, like March. 
right? Like, yep. So since then, uh, fortunately, uh, I had invested quite a bit of money into my own home gym. Like, nothing unreasonable, but probably better than most people's home gym. So I'm probably not the best person to talk about, like, what should I get for home gym? Because I'll spend all your money. <laughs> I think you need a rower. I think you need a skier, a squat rack. I think you should have an assault bike. You should have sandbags. You should have a, a bench. I mean, but realistically, you don't need much to do a workout at all. You can use your body weight and do gymnastics slash calisthenics. Uh, hunters have their backpacks, so you can figure out a way to load your backpack down with a reasonable load of 40 pounds, give or take, and you can do all things. You can ruck, you could squat, you can push, you can pull, you can hinge, and those are your four basic movements. That's all you have to really do. Uh, if I were to give you a suggestion on, okay, what what's the one thing somebody could probably invest in? I'd say maybe a pair of dumbbells and build yourself a box, like a plyo box. The dimensions are all over the internet. Get yourself a 20 by 24 by 30 inch box that flips and you got those three heights and you got a pair of dumbbells. Sky's the limit. Honestly, there's, it really is, doesn't take much creativity to do something and it doesn't take very long, especially if your effort and intensity is appropriate. You can get in great shape in the four walls of your garage or basement. Yeah, no, that's, I've, I've always had a hard time kind of coming up with the actual workouts or like a workout plan or new things. It's always been kind of an issue of mine where I'll end up just doing kind of the same thing because I don't want to try and come up with something different or plan it out. And then you get there and you're like, okay, what am I going to do now? So what's kind of a good way to do that? I mean, I know there's all kinds of apps and stuff out there now. Um, actually, even I since I got the brute force sandbag, they've got their app and that's pretty cool too. It's got some workouts on it. Oh, right on. I didn't know. I have a brute force sandbag. I bought it used off somebody, but I didn't know they had an app and I've actually written programs and I sell them on elkshape.com, but I don't even, you know, I walk out to the garage and I don't even know what I'm doing. I just kind of, uh, try to make it up right then and there kind of revert back to our prior conversation about try to prioritize things. I suck at things. I don't want to see come up, try to put those on there every day. Um, but there's four movements you got to remember as a human, you need to squat. It's indispensable. You're taking a crap, you're squatting, you're reaching down to pick something up, you're deadlifting. So that's a hinge. Uh, you're, you're getting things and putting them up over your head. You're pushing and you're always, you know, at some point you're going to be doing some sort of pulling. So those are your four categories to work around. You could do strength two or three days a week tops. And that's all you need to do. I mean, push, pull, squat, hinge. Squat could be a front squat, back squat, overhead squat. You could do some sort of deadlift or power clean or snatch or Romanian deadlift. Uh, but you're going to pick a thing up off the ground. That's hinging. Pushing or pressing, they're both pretty straightforward. You can press vertically. You can press horizontally. And you can pull the same way. And so it doesn't take much to figure out, like, those are your four main movements. Maybe you do one or two compound movements, you know, every day and just kind of shuffle the deck on if you're going to squat or push, pull or hinge. And, and that's a good way to go. And you, you might want to start 
maybe doing a little bit of circuit training so you can get some cardiovascular respiratory endurance out of your strength training. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased towards CrossFit. I owned one for 11 years, <laughs> and I think they have some great principles. But it's really like they didn't invent anything too crazy. It's just making sure you're really good at a lot of things like gymnastics, like powerlifting, like Olympic weightlifting. Um, and it's functional. So sandbags, D-balls, box jumps, pull-up bar, dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells. You know, So the sky's the limit. But if you're trying to program for yourself and you're not sure where to go, go pay for a service. Go find something pay for it. You might be more likely to use it and go with it. If you're not in a position to do that, then write up three or four movements on there. Come up with a rep scheme. Make sure those movements are things that you understand the technique and that you're consistent in the technique. And then execute a workout. Break a good sweat. It doesn't have to be super scientific. It's just trying to create a stimulus. And exercise is nothing more than Stress. It's a good stress. You're just giving yourself a dose of stress, nothing too much, nothing too little, just right in the sweet spot. And then go eat really healthy and get good rest, and your body will recover and you'll get your dividend. So I think I saw you uh, posted a story the other day. You were talking about eating a rainbow um, as far as, you know, varying uh, your nutrition, especially this time of year, right? Everything's available. You know, you, most people, a lot of people are growing a garden or different vegetables. And I, that's definitely important too. definitely helps you with everything, nutrition, recovery, energy. And I've, I've started noticing, um, obviously when I eat healthier, you feel better. It's like a gas tank, right? You know, putting it in. But, um, question I was going to ask you before I got rambling on that was, um, when when you go out to your garage and you're you're getting ready to go into the elk parking as you call it, um, do you you said you just kind of make it up as you go? But do you do you write stuff down and then go okay that's my workout that I'm going to do, or you just kind of in the moment go with it? Uh, so we have a whiteboard in elk parking gym, and we go in there and generally I want to be in and out in an hour, tops. So. Once we go out there, we can refer to a few websites if we're just like stumped on what should we do today, but pretty much do a strength component. And that strength shouldn't be more than 10, 15 minutes. And that strength will usually be structured. When I say structured, I just usually use a timer. So a lot of what we call EMOMs, every minute on the minute or every two minutes on the minute for 20 minutes. So like yesterday, I think I did, um, I hadn't power cleaned in a while and I hadn't back squatted in a while. And I try to back squat every week if I can. That's not something I'm good at. So I put it up there quite a bit. But I think I did five back squats on the minute. And then on the next minute, I did five power cleans. And I just went back and forth for 10 minutes. So in 10 minutes, I got you know 25 back squats and 25 power cleans. I kind of broke a sweat and I did some structured strength training and then I moved right into my conditioning piece. And my conditioning piece was a, a task priority workout where I had a handful of things I needed to do and I was racing the clock. I was done. So I think my conditioning yesterday, actual workout time was about 14 minutes of conditioning and 10 minutes of strength with about a 15 minute warm up and a five minute cool down. 
So I was under the, I was under 40 minutes and I won the day. And then I did that video from my garage. Soaked yeah. in sweat, telling people on Insta story <laughs> to not worry about so much what workout to do before a hunting season, but to get their mental pre- preparation up. Cause it's more about how you arrive to elk camp mentally than physically. Uh, and that's kind of true, but it's also a secret way of me saying you can't have one without the other. So if a guy's just born mentally tough, cool. And there's guys that will tell you like, you don't have to be in shape to kill elk. I do it every year. And, and I know that they're out there. I know a few, but I argue how much better would they be and how much longer would they get to elk hunt in life if they were more disciplined and made it a priority and spent more time doing things that were uncomfortable until they got comfortable with it? How much more of a threat would they be as a predator and how much more longevity would they have in their hunting career? So really they don't have an argument. So yeah, to get mentally stronger, you have to do things that suck. And for most of us, that means usually some working out in the, involved as well. Yeah, definitely. I want to try and stay, get in shape, stay in shape is my goal. And I, hopefully a lot of people that listen to this, this is their same goal and maybe we can help them and it'll motivate them so they can do it too. Cause I know that I definitely want to chase animals as long as I possibly can. And, uh, I think most people, that's what they want. So that's, it's awesome, man. I appreciate you talking to me and uh, coming on. I think what you said was pretty impactful and, and amazing. So once again, man, thanks for coming on and uh, doing this podcast. My pleasure, man. So before we go real quick, um, just tell everybody once again, where they can find you, what they can find, what kind of content and uh, and we'll, this will be the end. Yeah, we're, we're out there on the interwebs. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's just elkshape.com at elkshape for Instagram. Elkshape is our YouTube and elkshape is our podcast. And the elk collective is that new project. And uh, can't wait for elk hunting season, man. Like it's 35 days out. But who's counting? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you could check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawk's cave Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.